This week, we're back at the National Celtic Festival it in Port Arlington. Like that was such a long time ago. It does. And today we have a really, um, the only way to describe this, it's quite an exquisite experience. Mm. We have uh, an interview and several songs from Bush Gothic, who are Jenny M. Thomas on fiddle and vocals, Dan Witten on stand-up bass, and Chris Lewis on uh, small drum kit and percussion. And um, just to set the scene, so the room that we had was at the back of a place called the Bendigo Bank. So it was quite a small room, and we had any kind of community room, and it had fluorescent lights. So we turn off the fluorescent lights because it leaves a, a hum on the on the microphones. So we just had a small desk lamp in this bank back room <laughs> and three incredible players hot from a gig they had just finished on the main stage they packed up the gear lugged it across to the bank and set up it was exquisite's a great word it, it was it was such a treat yeah so so that's what you've got coming up uh, a quick word as as ever to say thank you to everyone who's gone to our patreon page um patreon.com slash blarney pilgrims um, to donate and to help us cover the costs of this podcast and um yeah. your sound your we will, sound we'll talk to you a bit more about that um at the end but for now let's just get, get into right it. into this this is bush gothic blow your winds hail roving i will go my two
Welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much you. for joining us. This is a, a real treat. Here we are in the Bendigo Bank at the National Celtic <laughs> Festival. <laughs> <laughs> we have the keys to the bank at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. I mean, Doesn't look sus at all. What <laughs> <laughs> a lamp on. So what was that song you just played? It was called... 10,000 Miles Away. So that's a song that um, is considered to be a traditional Australian song, but I think it started off life in England and then came here along with the rest of us. So there's a load of stuff that I'm interested in, in talking to you about. And um, I guess we'll start with just the, the origins of, of you three together playing together. Mm-hmm. If that's right. Like when you think about that now, how does that, how do you characterize it? How did that happen? Well, I got an email from Jenny. And um, I said, yes, I'll come and have a play. And then she said, there's a gig. And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and that was quite some time ago. Right. So that Was, was yeah. it like 2012 or something? Uh, no, it was 10 years ago. And we did a series of um, what we call Bush Band Saturday, Saturday afternoon series, where every week I would get a different bunch of musicians pretty much just the bravest people around to come and do Australian folk songs except and that except that was that before the gig at um, the Darabin Feast where we played it with Roy it was before that oh, that was okay. the very first thing we ever did and oh at so Bar 303 in Northcote yeah so I just I wanted to um, have a band and all I knew is it had to have drums um, and I'd, I'd worked with Chris before in Circus Oz and so um and the instrumentation to me wasn't as important as the people. Yeah, right. To be the right people. So you, you mentioned Bosch bands, right? And I think this is something we keep on coming back to. It, the Bush band concept is something that just kind of lost on myself and Dominic because we're not, we, don't live in, we haven't lived in Australia for that long. What's your take on, or how would you define Bush band music? Well, Bush, Bush bands, I came across Bush bands in the 70s as a kid because I grew up in a left-wing small L liberal household and there was as part of the folk revival in the 70s that included um, Australian trad folk songs particularly from the left-wing perspective so there was lots of depression era songs union songs and there were bush dancers which were effectively a romantic ideal of a um, rural focused um colonial social activity involving dancing yeah. in shearing sheds uh so there was work songs also um musicals music calls. well actually what i understood about it was for bush bands were a thing and that they were generally involved at playing at parties and uh anti-nuclear demos and um, well, in the 70s in the 70s that, that <laughs> was it. but yeah. i understood that idea of a kind of of a of a bush sensitivity, a bush sensibility, and um, an agricultural social idea. So, is it is it the Australian equivalent of that American folk revival? Is it kind of like the same thing was happening, maybe just at a different time? I think it's a little bit different. I don't think that there were like uh, what do they call them, like um, picking sessions and stuff like that. A little bit, a little bit for. Well, I mean, da- it was a band for dancing, for dancing like a Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah. suppose just the term bush is this romantic term for not in the city. Yeah. 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 But um, the bush band I knew when I was growing up was Monbolk Jam. What about you, Chris? What do you reckon a bush band is? I, I, I know very little about bush bands. <laughs> um, and, yeah. I, when was it, the first time you heard the term oh, bush actually, band? Actually, probably, uh, probably in the early 80s uh. there was... Someone took me to a bush dance. Yeah. Oh, okay. And what was that like? Wasn't my thing. No, it's not my thing. Well, what was it like? So, what? Something that didn't think was their thing. What was it that you saw and you went, "Yeah, that's not." Well, I'd say for me, it wasn't my thing. It was too formal. Okay. Yeah, I found I found it too too formal personally. Like called dances. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just uh, yeah. That's that's just my. Because yeah. my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm a rogue in this band. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they were very formal, and some I've heard these great stories of um, bands that were very early on in the colonial era of Australia, where um, there were particular dances which were for the um, people who were born in England and and who were free settlers. Um, so um, 
And then there was the um, bush dancers, which were for the ex-convicts um, or, or the um, the um, so they were called and the people who were born in Australia. So there's this real distinction between currency born, which means the Australian currency, which is was of much lesser value than sterling, pound sterling. So you're either sterling or your currency. Uh, yeah. And there were different dances for the different strata of society, and. Um, you had to go to the right one. And there's even a story of one, um, I've only read it from one account, but I reckon it's got to be true, of one big hall where there was a band at each end and you had to you had to go to the right end. <laughs> no <laughs> crossing getting, there. No crossing, otherwise the bush no. police will come and get you. The folk police. <laughs> <laughs> the folk police. <laughs> They're still around. They I, I know. Around. We know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you come into contact with the folk police a lot? In, in, in They're very how you're silent. They're like the secret. They're like secret agents. They they tend not to. They they don't make themselves known, but you you somehow know they're there from the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones who go when the when they see the drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I really know yeah. about that. I probably. Or the people yeah. who come up and say, "Now, tell me, was that jazz that I could hear? <laughs> was that some jazz?" <laughs> you know, I, I once got accused of playing. I mean, I once got accused of playing um, jazz-like music Ooh, jazz <laughs> in an Irish, oh, in jazz an like. Irish pub. Jazz yeah. like. When I was when I was six, jazz-like. Oh, jazz like, jazz like. Yes. And um, what were you? Attempting? We were playing. We were actually attempting. Uh, me and uh, Tony Murray, a guy I went to school with, were attempting a version of uh, "Oblivious" by Aztec Camera, a Scottish band, uh-huh. uh, f- with guitar <laughs> and flute. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we could have presumed. But you that. know, there's an F sharp minor that goes all the way up the neck, oh, and it, yeah, right. it's and there's a seventh in there, and it's oh. just you know, it's pretty. Jazzy. Risky stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's my claim to fame. There you go. Yeah. So, what so, were you into before getting down into the, this bush band? Were each of you in different things? Different, like, is this your first? Obviously, yes. it's like your first. We were all music. into quite different yeah. things. Um, so, I came to this from um, uh, going through the whole classical um, system of, um, I was a classical violist. Who, but my, my background, my family background is very much folk music, playing guitars around a campfire, singing in church. And, um, but I branched out and, and did Irish fiddle and Scandinavian fiddle and then found uh, and then fell deeply in love with Indian music and then um, did that for, as a, for many years until I saw, um, I saw bush bands playing at different festivals that I was performing at as a multicultural musician and I thought, oh, that's... It was so masculine and uh, I, I was just like three or four chords and wasn't I wasn't excited by it. Yeah. So I thought it's time to do something else. So that's that was my journey. Yeah. And that was the moment when you said you started this band? Is this particular- I started doing it as I started performing the songs as a soloist first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know that, that I'm interested about the Scandinavian playing that you did as well because that is such a an amazing dynamic kind of stirring sound. Isn't that, it? That, it's yeah. incredible. Like, yeah. But it's, um, I don't have anything else to say about it. I just kind of <laughs> wanted to share that. It's just, That's uh, perfect I remember the first time I heard it, it, it was like, this is, this is kind of, why, it's strong. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is anyway. strong. I've heard similar sounds from some very old English fiddle music. Mm-hmm. It's quite stark and, um, stark, yeah. Yeah. And the, in, and there's, and there's been connections made with Indian and Scandinavian music too. Some of the, they use, um, some quarter tones. So the notes in between the notes that we usually hear, which are just full of flavor. And also it's a, um, it's like a very tart apple <laughs> right. and, uh, the, um, yeah. So that, that tartness with the sweetness, it really gets you. Mm. Yeah. Is this a silly question to ask? Is that something you can demonstrate? Yes, no? I can. So a Scandinavian tune. So um, oh, it's a very out of tune violin. That's my demonstration. Um, so they're the sounds we would usually hear with fiddle. But um, if you put in some uh, little quarter, so quarter tones, the notes in between. other sound and and that's a little bit related to um indian music how i would hear it anyway 
somehow they all come together. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've mentioned um, the, the word uh, colonialism quite a lot um, <laughs> and colonial. So I, I'd really like to talk about that a bit more. But do you want to do a do you fancy doing another quick tune first or? Yeah, sure. Do you want to? I've tuned for Adeline. Yeah, fine. Which is um, which is which is not a traditional Australian folk song, but we've started to do it because um, because it has a old, it has an Irish song in it, the old triangle. Uh huh. And I was really interested in what is folk music, and we've started to do some songs from the say the fifties, and even a couple of one from the eighties, and. Um, just with the idea that folk music is um, just stories passed along, really. Yeah, right. And um, so, uh, so there's a song. This song, Adeline, was um, it's an Alt J song, the English pop band. Yeah, yeah. And they were touring in Australia, and whilst they were touring here, they wrote this song, and it's all about a Tasmanian tiger who falls in love uh, with a woman as she's singing the old triangle, which is an Irish song, um, but oh. they can never be together. Um, what a great premise for a song. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and, this, and the old triangle is the song that they sung in their tour bus, bus as they um, as they toured around Australia. That's, I have actually, um, I, I've been playing a version of the old triangle for my, for my son and my daughter, and my, my, oh. my son is perennially kind of, Anxious about Brendan Behan's state, you know, is he is he still in jail, Dad? What what did he do? Brendan Behan to end up in jail? Uh, no, 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 no. Is he, he's fine. He is five, you know, six. So he's he's, he's, yeah. he's six. Oh well, so, perfect. So, you know, perfect. Um, I don't know how much to matter. tell him. When do you start talking about that stuff to kids? So there you go. It's like, well, you know. here's a play about capital punishment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> darling. <laughs> well, so, you could sing along then, perhaps.
of the Royal Fantastic. So, um, so there, there's a song written by an English band um, in Australia, featuring an Irish, <laughs> featuring an Irish song in, in, yeah. in the middle of it. So, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm very interested in in talking about, and I'm not very well equipped to talk about it because I haven't been here for very long. But having moved to Australia like a year and a half ago from the states, um, and thinking about. Um, the place of uh, the kinds of music that are played at this Celtic festival, for instance, right? In my head, I have an idea of um, Irish music as being in part identified by being um, uh, particularly songs uh, reacting to the experience of being colonized. And I find it really interesting to sort of try and... um, figure out how that fits into uh, Australia, where the Irish become part of the colonization, right? As do the Scots, as do the English. And and I don't have a question, but it just, it strikes me as something really worth exploring and and, and I don't know where to go with it. (laughs) I've I've got a bit of an idea. Go on then. (laughs) Because it's something that uh, I, I thought about a lot before the... When when coming up with a title for our previous uh, our album that we've just released, which is called Beyond the Pale, and um, the reason I decided to call it that because um, in many respects, um, certainly when I started playing Australian music, um, to play our own folk music was considered to be a bit beyond the pale. It was just really daggy and considered to be um, uh, not at all a cool thing to do, uh, but also. Um, was try to look at beyond going beyond what it is to have pale skin in Australia and mm-hmm. um, what that means. But um, going back to the ori- origins of the the um, phrase "beyond the pale," which came from the 14th century when the English did colonise Ireland and they built a really huge wooden paling fence around Dublin and um, and to be outside of this fence was to be beyond English civilization. So therefore, to be beyond the pale. And to be inside was to be <laughs> in it, and so just um, that was the reason for giving the title. But the deeper, um, I suppose, movement behind it was a real conviction that um, here in Australia um, we're, we're very um, and rightly so we're encouraged to be multicultural and encouraged to open up our, our hearts and minds to, to all cultures, which I know I've done, um, and. Um, in, in the, my music and also, you know, who you're living with and um, and around you. But the very um, – something um, that runs really true and deep is um, my my own background of um, Irish and Welsh heritage. And so um, I think that there's f- uh, something to be uh, said for not, not forgetting that and trying to understand where that all comes from. And uh, – then that leads into the whole idea of, uh, well, um, how did my family get here or how did a lot of Irish families get here and um, a lot of the time it was from persecution by the English, um, or, um, whether that's by extreme poverty or or by being sent here as a convict. Um, 
whether as a political prisoner or not. And so then you get a whole lot of people, Irish people here in Australia, and they're considered to be the you know the lowest of the low, and they've never had property, and they've um, they've always been downtrodden. And so they get here and finally, you know, they have a chance to grab some land and they do and they grab the land, but then they become the oppressors. Then Mm. they start oppressing. Finally, you know, for them, oh, there's someone beneath me and it's the Indigenous people. Um, But their desperation is, you know, in many times overrode any feelings of compassion and so they took that land. So that starts to get, in some ways it's so complex, but in other ways it's really simple. So with the idea that um, um, this land that we're living on is full of stories and um, Indigenous stories that have been going for so many, you know, since the Indigenous people will say since the beginning of time. So this is a way of... um, And Indigenous people will encourage us to tell our stories. So this is a way of just adding stories to to the land that we're living on. And um, uh, I think my personal conviction is that um there's so much to break open about the time when when irish came here and when the english came here um and what happened with the indigenous people so let's you know talk about it and sing about it and um and of course it's important of course all these stories are important and um especially coming from um a long history in australia of the irish being considered to be stupid and um they were they were second-class citizens in many ways and they were considered to be you know peasants and um so just reclaiming that and got um in a way and um and saying well actually look at this beautiful tradition and look Mm. how um fabulously rich and intelligent and broad it is and uh, that's not talked about in australia very much at all Mm-hmm. So I can understand your confusion. <laughs> yeah, confusion and, and probably some of it's just in my head, you know, like trying That's to figure out. something to reconcile. Like you, it's that thought. Coming to some articulation of how I feel about it, as, I mean, you've, you've, you've clearly reached that point, right, where you're able to sort of articulate it. I'm still kind of like floundering around. Sort of I keep changing my it. mind. Though. I mean, <laughs> we're all so complex in a way. We all, we can contradict ourselves. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, were you going to say something, Chris? Oh, it's it's an indirect thing. Recently, it's it's about uh, two people who I played with recently, whose thing was I found out Irish music, and they 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 were interesting people because one was half Filipino, but he he was half Filipino, half Irish. Um, he we did a gig. We did I did a jazz gig with this guy and him and a didge player an indigenous guy who was also half Irish. And so just in terms of the sort of the where where the music's going, I thought that was just a really interesting example of uh, I can I don't know the development of that music in this country. And I thought, oh right, yeah. they know Irish music way more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or even though I actually have some Irish heritage too. Yeah. Um, it was just just an interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, this uh, it was a virtuoso dig player that I played with, and a Filipino <laughs> guitar player, <laughs> half Filipino. Yeah, but it's you know just uh, it's, 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 happy to bust uh, out the tunes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the, yeah, the dig player just said, "I've got a few, I've got a few jigs." It's really interesting so. you called your album um, "Beyond the Pale" because I'm from Drogheda in Ireland which is within the pale uh-huh. and I always not always but in, for the last while particularly thinking about this project and trying to reconnect with Irish music always felt that I am from the pale so it's almost that West Brit almost a bit of a shame attached to it that I don't understand real Ireland in inverted commas uh-huh. and it, it's interesting you would use something like th- like a title like that looking back to Ireland for your own heritage because Essentially, it's the same reason I'm embarking on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's to try and connect in a certain way because I am from the pale, and I want to. Um, does it make sense to go beyond the pale? Yeah, to educate it does. myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And actually, when when we first met about a year and a half ago, not long after I got here, um, through a, an Australian friend, and and he had said 
um, he said to me, oh, you have to meet this Irish person that lives in town. And he also said to Darren, oh, you got to meet this Irish guy who's moving to town. And, and we were both a bit like, I was like, um, I'm probably not as Irish as him. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm not, not as Irish as Identical thoughts just going, oh, this guy's going to be so Irish. I'm just going to be <laughs> so, so there, there you go. That's, that's going to, I think if we could pause for a song, probably a good time. Um, if you had one or a tune. Yeah. Um, and he's gone with cattle. Yeah. Is this going okay for you? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to add something. Yeah, please yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Just on the. This Dan, to, by the way, just, oh, just for anyone just listening. Just yeah. In terms of the idea of post-colonialism, because yeah. from an academic perspective now, there's something really interesting in terms of. So I used to describe us often as uh, postmodern bush music, mm-hmm. but I quite enjoy postmodern or post-colonial um, Australian folk because. There's actually, at least in art, post-colonial perspectives do in fact play just with the prism of your own understanding. So the idea that to even recognise your blinkers and your privilege or mm-hmm. your understanding, your education, whatever, is a, is a way to start an idea of taking perspectives of others. So, uh, you know, in this country, it's, you know, as most parts of the Commonwealth, I guess. You can see that it's a tiramisu of different people, you know, and there's a huge number of um, migration stories. And even within the, uh, you know, the exponentially longer history of um, Indigenous peoples of Australia, there's amazing migration stories. So, you know, just understanding how connection to land and story and connection to the past how you might sit in a perspective is is just that you know that's kind of a massive thing but it's really um it's quite i mean it's hugely humbling um but it's also really really interesting and it can be as it is a lot at, at happening at the moment in visual art incredibly playful there's humor and there's a lot of generosity often and anger and listening and talking so all of that form of communication Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> that was just a splurge, splurge. No, no. Really, yeah, no, but it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, time for a chain. Yeah, it was a good splurge. Okay. I was actually going to say something after that, which was something about like, um, I, I guess, um, it's, I, I guess, figuring it out is challenging. I guess yeah. for me, I, I'm wondering if you find it like a personal challenge to have to, uh, like, if you don't try and tackle the stuff for yourself in your own head and and figure out where you stand in it well it ties into what we spoke about with the toxic masculinity on the way well over the last while and we probably we'll get into that after after this next song but it's the (laughs) same it's the same space it's i think am i right in saying that it's the same space it's about having starting conversations it's about how you can tackle it head on engage everyone in some way, like we don't, I don't definitely don't have any answers for it, but I'm, I want to listen and talk and yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting that you've found this form. I mean, what, uh, I, I do suspect that um, writing, uh, arranging this music and having this band is very much me working out my identity and where I, because I didn't feel like I fitted into folk festivals. I couldn't see myself represented anywhere up on stage. Certainly not in bush bands. Yeah. So it was just a way of forging that out. Going, oh, this is. This is just making your own, <laughs> which is what Australia is very much uh, in a way, mm. making your own identity. And if you don't like the, um, well, the sort of sporty barbecue renovation culture, well, go and do your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let's have another number and then we can unpack all of that. <laughs> Post-colonial toxic masculinity.
Jenny, the last thing you mentioned before that tune was forging your own way in the folk scene. What was that like? Uh, what was the process? And sometimes it's uh, it's very hard to do something if there's if you don't have a mentor or mm-hmm. someone that you can go. Oh, look what they're doing! I'd I'd like to do something just like that. So I I, I really looked to overseas for um, folk movements in. Um, in, in England a lot and um, for inspiration and in many ways it's really it's it's wonderful to have an artistic project where you can see a whole lot of material in front of you that is ripe and ready for exploration and that's really exciting and great yeah. um, and the the flip side of it is that um, you're always sort of creating it and inventing it seems a little like in a bubble <laughs> and there's always been that real um, real opposites like that in that we get great support from um say you know abc um he'll go ooh, australian colonial history they go let's hear more of that and then um <laughs> and then other people who as soon as you say the sentence australian folk music that they their eyes glaze over or that they just start walking away because they don't they they have certain expectations about what that is and the expectation is that your socks will be very long and you have a bushy beard and that you'll be um, singing 17 verses sort of shouting at you um, and that's with, with a lagophone with a lagophone which is how it has been on stage but it's not really how, how it is you know in the sessions and in the lounge rooms and in around the campfires it's much more subtle than that so what were the um, the inspirations that you were drawn on from England and other places uh, well, I who were, um, the, who were the singers that were the singers was yeah. um, someone who was the very last podcast we did with, which is a singer called Jim Moray, and he's an English folk singer. And, and I actually I heard him on an Australian radio program, and he was a young English man singing English folk songs. And I thought, wow, look there you go, that makes sense. I thought, why doesn't someone do that with Australian folk songs? Because at that time, people were doing a lot of. American songs and um, that's pretty much it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Australia <laughs> and Irish songs 
lots of other yeah. songs. Um, so, um, but apart from that, um, my uh, the on thanks and um, oh, yeah, yeah. the winter Absolutely. set, yeah, yeah. That I really um, did some great. So anybody, or anybody, you played with them too, didn't you? Didn't you play at their festival? Or? Yeah, they invited us to come and, and play at uh, their festival, which was um, quite wonderful. Yeah. Uh, that was uh-huh. wonderful to do. And in Australia, um, pretty much anybody who, or any artist, whether it be a visual artist or a, a movie director or a dancer who would go just have conviction and say, no, this is, I really like doing this and, um, and I'm going to keep doing it. That's how, where I get my inspiration from. Yeah. So one other area that I wanted to touch on with you since you, you know, you've, You've explored so, so, um, so deeply the area of folk music. Um, I have a couple of young kids, and I was teaching them one night. Uh, I was singing the wee Cooper of Fife. I don't know if you know that no, Scottish song. No. There was a wee Cooper who lived in Fife. Nickety nackety noo noo noo. And he would get himself a wife. Hey, Wally Wally, oh, John Dougalahin, go rushity roo roo roo. And the kids loved that. Those mm. niggity nackety new new news, but of course then yeah. I sort of thought, okay, yeah, I used to know that. I think I learned that song at school, so I went and looked it up, and it turns out the second verse is, you know, she wouldn't cook and she wouldn't stew niggity nackety new new new. Oh no! The third verse, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't go well. So yeah, um, and so he puts a sheepskin over her because she's of a better class of uh, uh, she's a better class of woman than he is of man, um, and then he beats her with a stick. And by the fifth verse, she's cooking and stewing away as mm. as expected, mm-hmm. right? So, so nickety nackety new. So it kind of got me thinking about it. Got me thinking about um, ideas of masculinity in folk songs, and it, and and I'm going on a bit here, but I'll tell you this other story. So the other thing that happened around the same time was that um, I used to have a Burns night in Seattle, and just after the 2016 election in the states we had burns night and my two friends were doing the toast to the lassies and their reply um they're both women and they they chose to recite a transcript of the uh, account that uh, donald trump gave of uh, molesting women and they did it as a recitation and it was absolutely heart-stopping and it's kind of uh horribleness and it and we we ended up having a very long discussion about why are we even celebrating Robert Burns you know and mm-hmm. what is that about <laughs> um so those two things got me kind of wondering about what do you do with uh old material folk songs uh that have material in them and it, it extends to anything really it mm-hmm. extends yeah. to Irish folk mm-hmm. myths which I started trying to read my kids and it's like and then he slaughtered five it's like, <laughs> worse than the bible it's, it's, <laughs> the, it's <laughs> the folk tradition and that, as a, the, that's open and for for changing and uh, as to whatever times that you're in yeah so I think it's perfect for it and we're all capable of taking in so much subtlety that sometimes just a word or two changed. Maybe the nickety nackety song, can you just flip the genders? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or um, so we, we sing True Blue, hey, True Blue. And there's one line, um, she, uh, what is it at the end? She'll be fight. Um, um, uh, it, is it standing by your Is it standing by, by your, your mate? mate? And the the original is when, when he's in a fight. When he's in a fight. So yeah. we just sing when she's in a fight, oh she'll be right. And and oh, you see eyebrows go up, but um uh yeah, now's the time to either decide not to sing that song because it's terrible. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, great, good example. Or, I think the example on the other side is the it. Turkey in the Straw, which is the ice cream song on ice cream trucks, right? It's a, an abhorrent song. Turkey in the straw. Yeah. Mm. But it's it's it has now well it has a Pavlovian effect of ice cream. It's yeah. It's <laughs> At what point you kind of go well, this is now the new meaning of what's, the song. What's the background of Turkey in the straw there? Tell me. What, uh, I don't know. The, the NPR did a piece on it, and essentially, it's it's a racist song right. from the minstrel um, time. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. it, I, I do know some of the lyrics, but I, I they're yeah, not, not worth like, going into. There's some John Foster songs like mm. um, Oh Susanna. Exactly. Where, where the, as a strange nonsense song, but it, you, if you unpack the, the verses that haven't survived, they're pretty evil. Um, but you have to take into account the, the, the history of which that 
entertainment was happening. Yeah. So that's what it was, and and the incredibly well crafted songs, their political, the picture that they're making of that political time is fairly accurate in that uh, racism was part of the diet, mm-hmm. and it was normal. So how do you call that out? How do you change that? So you can either represent and unpack that stuff, or you can find things that survive that speak to you. Like if you can get the melody and extract that from the intent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can, subvert can you do it. that? Yeah, subvert really subvert good it. to subvert things. Are there's enough songs? I mean, I'm ready for all sexist songs to go. Yeah, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you don't Is need it? them anymore. So, nah. so you don't even need them as an artifact nah. of. Well, they can have them written down, but they're they're too they're um they're too destructive. Well, that's the thing. It's like the the urgency of the the moment that we're in now, right? It kind of it makes you kind of think like, who needs it? Who needs that shit? Irony becomes the thing. You know, you're criticizing it by showing that you know, but it can also be a transmitter of the same message. Mm-hmm. That's quite that's quite interesting. Mm. I mean, yeah. I remember when most of the repertoire that we did early on, that basically you said, oh, we'll just we won't do many songs about sheep or men <laughs> and then that cuts out about 85 percent of the <laughs> of the canon yeah. yeah and then but then because there are things and even the name of the band is a reference to a literary um genre that was uh barbara bamford yeah bainton bainton excuse me um, tell us about that what, what's uh, that barbara bainton was an australian who who Wrote uh, these effectively um, penny dreadfuls about. Um, she wrote sto- short she wrote stories. Short stories, mm. yeah, they were very popular. She penny made a dreadful. living. They're not penny dreadfuls at all. I've never heard that term before. Uh, penny basically, dreadful. they're sensationalist stories. Short, yeah. short like pieces. Paperbacks. Paperbacks. Oh, yeah. She was. I, I. I. Well, they were paperbacks. She was also considered to be in, in the form of literature. So this is about the same time as Henry Lawson. So the song Andy's Gone with Cattle that we play was a Henry Lawson poem. Right. And she was writing at the same time. I've just taken over, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, it's good. That's fine. You know more about Barbara than me. You're doing a good job, but you did get her name wrong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There you go. Go for it. Um, <laughs> so your credit is shot. Uh, that's it. And so she was writing. When, when um, Banjo Patterson and Henry Lawson and many other writers were writing about the Golden Fleece and the Lucky Country and that uh, how extraordinary Australian was, she was writing about being a woman alone in the bush and rape and murder and children dying and 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 she became quite well known and so the um that genre was called bush gothic so that's where we took our name from wow thank you for telling us i wouldn't have known that oh, you're welcome <laughs> yeah. no one knows it <laughs> <laughs> actually there are some some academics who come and they are. say oh, i've just been finalizing my exegesis and this is so great to find you <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, right. and it, but it's interesting too because there was a huge like there was propaganda about um, uh, for immigration about there were ads posted in British newspapers that said meet three times a day we you will you will have mm. work you will get fed come and come and enjoy this plenty and of men because there were too ten, many men yeah 15 for every one woman or something, something like that. Yeah. For, yeah for a yeah. while yeah. so outside of that for any listeners, where should they find you? We have a website, bushgothic.com. And, um... uh, for anyone listening to, check out the videos. There's one particular video you guys have. It is shot impeccably. I love it. It's uh, so beautiful. With the animals. Yeah. Uh-huh. So beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and your albums. Find, us, find them on Bandcamp. Yeah. Bandcamp's Bandcamp. a place to go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. And our website. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's all via... But Bandcamp's oh, yeah. the place to buy the music. Yeah, Bandcamp's yeah. a Absolutely. great place to buy Go music Bandcamp. for yeah. mm-hmm. for music. So it's it's I mean totally appreciate streaming as a form of sample, but for supporting musicians buying mm-hmm. their music yeah. on platforms like Bandcamp is means a huge amount. It's direct and it goes straight and yeah. it's. Mm. So you've heard it. Bandcamp's the place to go to get yeah. the albums. All right. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. You seem you seem to like. I, I'll let you go. You've been very kind with your time, but I just want to say, like, you seem to like when you start playing. You seem to totally love it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of. It, it, I mean, you exude What's the, the sense only of way of sure. yeah, It's incredible. Only way. It's just, but you can feel it. But for two people for sitting in front of the time, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are only alive, so you know for. 
X number of years, so you might as well get in make there. the most of it. Yeah. yeah. You're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 On that note, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> oh, are we going to, do we, we usually actually finish on a tune. Yeah, have we got one more left, or we can yeah. just we, we can change the format? Yeah, we could. Um, we we should do a well-known one, like to give it some kind of context. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. If I had
purchases Take warning from what I do say And my knowledge around is yours As your touch says Or you'll join me in botany I really think that that recording captured some of the essence of what happened that night. That was a very special night. I love how you hear every breath, every tap, every every jingle, every jangle. It, it was such, I know we say a treat a lot, but that was, that was spine tingling special. Do you know, um, I went to see Bush Gothic um, last weekend, just, and one of the most amazing things about it about what they do um, the phrase that people use is that they reimagine these songs but truly when you sit and listen to a whole set you're submerged in this um, transformative music yeah. it's, but it's, uh, it's lovely it's textural too it's, it has this different the chords they, mm. they, they, they allow so much space I think yeah. for, but yet for so things full. to unfurl yeah. It's, uh, yeah hey so Dan mentioned in that interview if you want to support these guys Give the Spotify's and the iTunes a bit of a miss. Go to their Bandcamp, grab it from there. It's a better way to support the artist. So you'll find that at bushgothic.bandcamp.com. Um, look, if I've got that wrong, just check the link in the show notes. I'll be <laughs> double, triple checking that that's correct. And, uh, you know, if you fancy going to see them, they're actually doing a, a free concert and a music clip filming um, on Monday the 2nd of September at the Retreat Hotel in Abbotsford. So what is it they're recording? Half of May. So they're they're filming um, a video, I think. Oh, um, wow. And it's a free concert, so you can go along. It's a great opportunity to see them see them live. And, great. Um, yeah. Don't come, come and say hello to myself and Don, because it sounds like <laughs> we'll, we'll be there. Um, thanks again to, to Jenny, to Dan, and to Chris. And thank you to you. Yeah, till next week. I'm gonna eat um, an apple. Please get give Dominic and Darwin five stars. Thank you.